Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Carrie Kampakis is an author, speaker, podcaster, and newspaper columnist from Birmingham, Alabama. Her books for teen girls, 10 Ultimate Truths Girls Should Know, and Liked, Whose Approval Are You Living For?, and her best-selling book for moms, Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter, have been used widely across the country for small group studies. Carrie's work has been featured on the Today Show, Focus on the Family, Grown and Flown, Motherly, The Huffington Post, and many other national outlets. She and her husband, Harry, have four daughters and a dog named Lola. Carrie, we are so excited to get to sit down with you today. And I was thinking, you know, I don't think over the last, I don't know how many years you've been writing. How many years have you been writing? Oh, gosh, probably eight years. Okay. I was thinking 10, maybe, but I don't know that there's any author's name that I have heard on the lips of girls more than yours, which has made me so excited every time a parent or a girl talks about reading one of your books. I just am thrilled because I trust your voice so much. I was recommending it yesterday in my office. I mean, all the time I'm telling kids they need to find their way to your books and now books for moms too, which we're excited to talk about all those things today. Well, thank you. You two have influenced my work so much that it's, I mean, so if they're like in my books, they like what you're doing too, because (laughs) I mean, it's just neat. I just think the world of both of you and the work that you're doing. And you have helped me so much in my parenting and Mm. just the approach to not only teenage girls, but also other mothers as well. Mm. Mm. Well, we are sure grateful for you. We are thrilled to have you on today. And let's even start there. Will you just tell us, how did you get into writing? I've always loved to write. It was something I did creatively growing up. And then out of college, I did more business writing and did some freelance writing that helped pay my way through MBA school when my husband and I got (laughs) married. But, you know, as I think about really my career as a writer, it really started as an escape from motherhood, to be honest. Mm. I had two little ones at home. I was pregnant with my third child. You know, I was going to have three kids under the age of four. My husband was commuting at the time, and so he wouldn't get home until 8 or 8.30 at night sometimes. And, you know, by then, when you have little kids, a lot of the hard work was done. So by the time he got home, I'm like, I am done. I need some time to myself. And so I really started writing at night, thinking I'll do this for 15 or 30 minutes, just something to have my own mental space. And I was writing fiction at the time, had no idea what I was doing. Wow. Yeah. I've written three fiction novels that at the time I wanted them published, and now I'm so thankful they're not published because (laughs) I had a lot of room for improvement. But I had so much rejection in that time, and even God used that. I feel like I needed to toughen up a little bit just before I even became an author. 
But that's really how it started. Was That was just something of my own, apart from my family. And I didn't write about motherhood because at that point, I didn't want to think about motherhood. That's why I was writing <laughs> fiction, just as an escape. But that's really how it started. And I wrote for seven years with not much happening, a lot of rejection, trying to get an agent, trying to get a publisher. And then it really wasn't until social media started coming around and I started a blog. And it was a blog post that went viral. I think it was called 10 Truths Young Girls Should Know. It went viral, and it was about a month later that Thomas Nelson contacted me, and they expressed interest in turning that blog post into a book. Wow. So that's what I like to tell moms. It's like, you know, what opened the door for me finally was social media, and that didn't even exist, really, when I started writing. So it's like you never know how God's going to work. And it seemed like this happened out of the blue and overnight because they emailed me, but I'd been writing for seven years before that. Wow. I love that. I didn't know that story. We've never talked to you about that. Yes. Well— And I also love, because we talk so much with parents about the importance of having space outside of your kids and that you were so intentional in that. And then God brought this amazing other thing that you get to do besides being a mom out of it. I love that. Mm. Will you tell us about the girls now and your life and your family? Well, I'm married to Harry. We met at Alabama. I wish I could say we were college sweethearts, but we didn't start dating until a year after college. We've been married. It'll be 24 years in June. So we've been through a lot of ups and downs, but he's awesome. God must have known that he was a good girl dad because we had four daughters, and he's a good sport about that. But our (laughs) oldest daughter, she's a freshman at Auburn, and then our youngest daughter's in sixth grade. She's in her last year of elementary school, which I was thinking the other day, we've been at that school for 12 years, so we're about to graduate from that season of life. And then our two middle girls are in high school. We have a ninth grader and an 11th grader. So it's good. You know, it's different than when my girls were little because I felt like when you have little girls, especially all in the, the same gender, children, you're all on the same track. You know, they're all going to dance lessons together. We pretty much did the same things together every day. And so it's great as they get older, but it's like four different lives. So we stay busy just trying to keep up with each of them. And I'm going from elementary school mode to college mode to high school mode. So a lot of mental juggling, but it's all good. And driving, lots of driving. I yes. Bet. Oh, yes. My car is my second home. <laughs> sure. <laughs> How do you find your way to balance as a working mom? That is a great question. I always feel like other people are doing it better than I am. I'm constantly trying different things. But I think the thing that has helped me the most, and y'all will relate to this because your work is so similar, that there's so much planning that has to be done when you're a writer and a speaker and People are asking you to speak six months or eight months from now. So probably the best thing that I do is I just bought a calendar through June 2023. And I'm learning to hold my plans loosely because you never know. But the first thing I do is I get my calendar and I write down all my girls' events. And it might be I'll be probably moving Ella out of her college dorm on these dates. Or this is our cheer tryout weeks. I want to make myself totally free and available. Or, you know, my daughter will have a game on this night. Or we're planning a special mother-daughter trip right here right before Christmas. So I put all of those things in my calendar first. And then I put in my work schedule around that. So that's probably the thing that's helped me to balance the most. So smart. I try to make sure that I'm here for the big things for my girls. And occasionally something Mm -hmm. will come up. I find out I'm going to have something for the kids and I've planned an event. I think I've missed a pep rally and a few things like that. But usually if I give them enough notice, the, the great thing about mothers and fathers too is that they understand. So people are usually so gracious when I do need to rearrange. Yeah. And right. so I stay at home and I also work, but I try not to let my kids feel like they're second fiddle. I want them to always feel like they're first. Mm. And so that's really my biggest goal. I sure have a feeling they do feel that. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> uh-huh. 
We mentioned that you've written books for girls. How many books now for girls? I've written two books for teenage girls. So will you talk a little bit about those, the names of them and what they were about and even what inspired you to write for girls? Because I want every parent of a girl to go right now to buy these books. I love them so much. I'm so grateful. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Well, I love your books for girls. I recommend all of y'all's resources all the time, especially what you're doing now with anxiety. Mm. We can't get that message enough. Let's see. The first book was 10 Ultimate Truths Girls Should Know, and it came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. My daughters were little at the time. I think Ella, my oldest, was in sixth grade when it came out. My editors wanted something really targeted for age 12 through 16. And they were like, I want you to write up because a middle school girl will want to know what a high school girl is going through, but a high school girl doesn't want to know what a middle school girl is going through. (laughs) And so I was like, that's good advice. And they really wanted me to write it kind of like a wise big sister and, Mm. you know, think about what are these situations they'll be in. We want them to pre-decide what they want to do, pre-decide who they want to be, but also know about God's mercy and grace and forgiveness through it all because we all make mistakes and get it wrong. So that book was really my first, I mean, like I said, the door opened because of a blog post. So that book came out and it just opened up a whole new world and it really just opened my heart to teenage girls. My daughters were about to enter that season, so it was perfect for me trying to research these topics that I knew would be relevant to my own life as a parent. And the biggest surprise was getting to meet the girls who read the books and also meeting their parents and their moms. The moms would often see me at events, and they'd say, you know, this is great, but when are you going to write a book for us moms? And in my Mm. head, I'm thinking, never. (laughs) Because I knew that teenagers are pretty impressionable. I felt like they were more open to what you might say. And I love my mom friends, but I thought, we moms are more set in our ways. I just thought that'd be a harder audience to crack. And my heart wasn't really there as far as writing for moms quite yet. So after that book came out, my editors invited me to write another book for teen girls. And this is when social media was exploding. Everywhere I went, moms were asking me to speak about social media, speak about friendship, speak about identity. And so that was the focus of the next book. And it's called Light, Whose Approval Are You Living For? Mm. That was the focus of that book. It's really about living for God's approval versus human approval. And even looking at social media, just in a way of like, don't find your validation and your worth there. Of all the books I've written, in some ways, I feel like it's the most important because it really goes back to those foundational truths. And the funny thing was, you know, you write these books thinking that you're helping other people or trying to help other people. But even now as I'm writing, so many of the things that I learned while writing that book and those truths, I needed myself. I didn't realize what a people pleaser I was. Mm. And it just helped me. I'm like, that's why I spent a year writing that book was I needed those (laughs) messages embedded so deeply in my heart. And I can even be a people pleaser trying to please my children or my husband or looking to someone else rather than looking to God first. That was a good experience just because it was really enlightening for me personally, too. And then after those two books came out, y'all probably can relate to that. I was like, I need a big old break, you know, releasing two (laughs) books in a row was just a lot. And so I knew I needed a break, and I felt like I needed just to refill the cup a little bit. So I spent the next few years, I did a lot of speaking. I was reading a lot of books. I was just kind of waiting for the right idea. It had been about two years, and I was still kind of waiting, but telling myself, okay, it's time. You know, you need to get up and do something. And I had a speaking event that summer, I guess it was like in July 2019, and I'd given a talk on how to love your teenager. And this woman came up to me, this cute little Southern woman. I still don't know her name. It was in Opelika, Alabama. And she came up to me at the end and just pointed her finger at me, and she goes, that needs to be your next book. 
the talk that I just given. Wow. And this doesn't happen to me often, but in that moment, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, mm. I totally could write a book out of this. And I just couldn't think about it. I mean, I went home and for two weeks, it's like the words and the thoughts like were just flooding my mind. I could not write fast enough. Wow. I was on a roll. I was doing this for about two weeks. And I thought, I'm not going to tell anybody about this, not even tell my agent. I just want to write this book first. And I don't want to worry about sales or marketing or whether people will buy it. I just know there's a need. But the crazy thing about that book was about two weeks into it, when I was on a roll and I felt so confident about what I was writing, my oldest daughter and I started fighting again. And so we started going through this turmoil. And again, I wanted to quit because that was the whole opening of the book was how we'd had this season of tension when she was in middle school, but how we'd kind of worked through it. And then here I am, I was back in that same place a few years later. Mm. And so it really took a lot of soul searching. And I realized, I was like, you know, the enemy wants me to quit and he wants me just to settle there. And so I really had to make the decision like, okay, instead of pretending like I'm some expert who has it all together, I've just got to write this from a place of I'm just another mom in the trenches of motherhood. Mm. I'm figuring this out alongside you. And I put that in the introduction. I admitted that, that I really wanted to quit because I felt so unqualified to write it. And it's so funny now that the book is out. It's been out since 2020. I've had so many moms who tell me that that's the part they relate to the most and that they are so glad I didn't quit writing it and they appreciate that. So it's just funny as a writer, you think it'll make you lose credibility admitting those things. And yet, I think especially in today's generation of parents, that's what people really appreciate is somebody being honest, saying, Mm. we are facing the same problems here. You know, maybe you get through it in one season, but then it can come back in another season. You just don't ever know what you'll be up against. But God wants us to keep moving forward, to keep growing and keep learning. And that's the important thing. Mm. I think Henry Nouwen said, whatever's most personal is most universal. Yes. Which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's where when we're honest, we free other people up to do the same. So grateful for you doing that. Me too. Thank you. Well, in building on that, you've got a new book called More Than a Mom, and just would love to hear you talk about what's your hope for moms to find from that work. Yes. I say that I joke that this book is something I might not have written five years ago, but this book is really about finding your identity as a child of God and seeing yourself through that bigger lens. And it's something I've realized that I've needed as my kids have gotten older and I'm realizing that they're not going to be at home forever and I've got to have a life beyond them. I've been like a lot of moms. I think you get into motherhood and it's just your children can become your identity. And especially, you know, when you've got three or four and or a lot of things you're juggling, it's just you kind of throw yourself your all in and you kind of think that's all you are. It's just your mom or wife or a friend. And as women, we tend to see ourselves in our support roles. But really, it's about pulling back and seeing yourself as a child of God, seeing that you're a human being with legitimate needs and to not feel guilty, taking time for yourself that really taking a little time for yourself and not in a vain or selfish way, not in a narcissistic way, but just taking care of your basic needs really will make you a more effective mom and a stronger mom. And it's a lot of lessons I had to learn myself. Like I realized as my daughters were growing up that I had found my identity in them. And so as they became teenagers and they are pulling away and wanting to be with their friends or not always making me feel so good, like maybe they did when they were little, because you're not always getting the hugs and love and affirmation in return. I realized I was depending on them for my joy. Mm -hmm. And that's a dangerous proposition, especially with teenagers. 
what I've realized through parenting is that, you know, God is calling us to love our children like He loves us. And that means to pursue their heart, regardless of whether they're loving us back, and to keep loving them well, regardless of whether they're loving us back, which was the whole theme of my third book. What I've realized is like, I cannot do that with my children if I'm not in a strong place. If I'm insecure Mm. and relying on them to bring me my happiness, and all of a sudden they don't, then I'm devastated, and I can't be the strong mom that they need me to be. If they go through a crisis, I'm going to fall to pieces, and I can't be that source of support that they need. And so it's really taught me, like, I've got to really lean into my faith. I've got to really depend on God to get my strength from Him, and also to build my adult network, my adult village, and to, you know, return to my marriage. Harry and I kind of put things on the back burner. We put us on the back burner just raising kids, but we've got to strengthen our marriage. I've got to feel love there and feel love with my friends and really just lean on that network because I think other women can see you. You know, we can see each other. Like, I see how hard you're working. I know your heart. Your children might not appreciate it today, but in 30 years, they might. Just keep going. You're doing great. And I think as we find our strength in other places of our life or the work that we're doing, then we can turn around and love our children and we can be strong for them regardless of whether they're loving us back. And that's what is going to ultimately build a good relationship. Oh, I love that so much. Yes, that's wonderful. Thank you. So people need to order this book too. (laughs) The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Did you know that Minnow has an award-winning children's Bible written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer? The Minnow Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids is more than a children's Bible storybook. It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gomeno.com. That's shop.gomeno.com. This season of our podcast is called Modern Parents Vintage Values, watching your girls and just watching the kids that you interact with and the girls that you meet, what would you say is one vintage value that you think kids struggle with today? And what do you think we can do to help? I think the biggest value that people struggle with, and it's so simple, but just simple kindness, Mm. just going into the world, just trying to be kind. And I think what it is, we just, we have a mean culture, you know, people don't seem to be as compassionate and empathetic. And what I see a lot in my work is, I mean, probably 95% of the emails that I get from moms or girls, it all relates to pain and friendships. Mm. And a lot of times the greatest pain is coming within a friend group or within the friendships that the girls have. And they're just having a hard time finding real friends. But I think we live in an age where we all reflect a lot on, like, how are people making me feel? How many friends do I have? We're thinking a lot about us and our needs, but we're not really thinking about, well, you know, what kind of friend am I being to other people? Now, maybe I'm sad that my friends didn't celebrate my birthday the way that I wanted, but am I celebrating their birthday in that way? Mm. And I just think we live in a very self-centered culture that it's, and especially when the teenage years, I've I've read in your books, that those are often called the narcissistic years (laughs) by psychologists. (laughs) And that's something you see as a parent, that they tend to be very self-focused. Really, as a parent, it's just trying to open their eyes, like, well, maybe this person's feeling this way, or you never know what somebody's going through. Mm. Just kindness. Like I said, you just never know what a simple smile or saying hello to somebody can mean to someone. And I just think that a lot of kids these days live in that self-preservation mode. They're just trying to keep their head above water. And as long as they're not the ones being targeted or attacked, then that's all they care about. But 
If you go into the world and your goal is to be kind, now some people won't be kind back, but you'll realize those are not your people. But I just tell my girls, you know, cast a wide net and be kind to everybody. Because I was like, a lot of girls really, I guess, put their back to the wall because they're only kind to the popular crowd or to a certain group. And so when certain something happens in that group, whether their friend decide to turn on them or they move on to somebody new, a lot of times they don't have anywhere to go and they don't have anybody to swoop in and take care of them because they were mean and exclusive to other people. But I'm like, if you're making friends wherever you go, whether it's band camp or your summer camp or your English class, like have friends everywhere, then Mm. if you're having a disappointment in one area of your life, then you're probably going to be able to get love in another area of your life. And I even tell moms, I get a lot of emails from moms whose daughters are struggling like that. They're like, we go to a small school, there's only 12 girls, and she's having a lot of issues. And so I was like, well, you might have to get creative, but just find her love somewhere. And it might be inviting her best friend from summer camp, who's kind, to come over, or finding a girl in another grade and inviting her and her mother to go to lunch. But I just think if you look for kindness as the first quality of a friend, then you can't go wrong. And those are also the friendships that will last 30 or 40 years are the people who are kind and loyal and compassionate. Yes, so true. Thinking more about the theme of Modern Parents Vintage Values, what is something you'd like to bring back from your childhood today, something that was true about life back then? I think going back to friendship, just as old-fashioned friendships, we just had fun together. Sometimes when I have a speaking event and I'm in the car, I'll call old friends of mine because I know it'll be a one or two hour conversation. But (laughs) I have this old friend named Greta and we became friends in eighth grade. I mean, we were so goofy in high school. We'd have like nerd contests. Like I think they used to do on Saturday Night Live and we were just goofy. We'd stay up late, just eating junk food, watching movies. But we were talking about it one time. We're like, we just had fun. And I feel like our friends were a source of comfort and not a source of stress. It was more of an Mm. escape from a hard world. Mm. And now it seems like friendship in a lot of ways is just more of the stress. It's the place where they feel more stressed. And so that's what I just wish I could bring back to every teenager is just that what friendship should be. Mm. And I'm lucky. And I've seen that it's possible. All my daughters have some friends that they are that kind of friend, just genuine kindness and looking out for each other and being silly. You know, one of my daughter's best friend in college, she made her this gift for Christmas. It was hilarious. It was called like Grayson by the month. Her name is Grayson. She's like, oh my God. She's like, I spent all of Thanksgiving weekend working on this calendar. The whole family had to help her because she had to have like, you know, Valentine's Day. She'd have a heart sweatshirt and 4th of July, she was dressed up like Uncle Sam, but she had to borrow (laughs) hunting clothes from her brother and her little sister was her photographer and her mom was helping her with something. But when she gave my daughter that gift and her mom came over because she wanted to see Ella's reaction when she saw it. It just made me think of like how we used to make those cassette tapes for our friends. Yes. Do you remember that? I mean, Mixed it would take like, totally. yes, like two or three hours. And I'm like, mm. that's a sign of a real friendship. And those yes. are the things, just those little things, your friend taking three or four hours to make something special for you that you will keep and still have 30 years later. I just wish that was more common in this day and age. Mm. Me too. When you started talking about high school friends, I mean, I think the thing that bonded my high school friends and I the very most was dancing and singing in the car. Yes. We would have Michael Jackson going or whoever, and we would be singing our hearts out. And even thinking about today, I can't imagine that that happens as often as it used to because they're attached to their phones. Right. I agree. I know. And there's, yeah, so many things that keep that from happening. And we had 80s music to be dancing to, and their music just isn't as fun. Yes, we did. So true. Probably my best memories from high school is just Mm -hmm. dancing and singing in the car with my friends. 
See, we would have been friends. We would if have. We high school together, Carrie. We totally would have. We totally would have. I was sitting here thinking, I would pay such good money to get hold of those cassette tapes that yes. we made those ridiculous cassette tapes <laughs> for. All the things we did on yes. cassette tapes. Wouldn't you love to have access right now? I, I remember waiting for Casey Kasem to get to a certain song yes. so you could add that to the mix so you could record it really fast when that came on the top 40. Yes. We are dating ourselves, y'all. I know. I'd miss the first like 10 seconds because yes. I didn't get it quite enough. Yeah, when you're sitting by the radio waiting for that song yes. to come on. Yes. I can picture my room where I would sit to do that, to hit the record totally. button fast enough. <laughs> or then you'd call and request one, so maybe you could get yes. it that way. The dedications. The dedications. <laughs> yes. oh. Now, David, you have to tell us, did you ever make a tape for a girlfriend? Oh, I did. I did. No <laughs> doubt about That's for it. That's the best gifts. That was an unbelievable tool for pursuing a girl. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Was there a certain song that stands out to you? <laughs> oh, I don't know if there was one. I have the exact same memory you do. I can remember sitting in my room with my fingers, like right on the play and record, trying to hit it right at the exact moment. Like I vividly <laughs> remember that. Isn't that funny? We all do. Yes. Yes. Okay, this is a yes. super embarrassing story about myself. I remember. <laughs> Do y'all remember Lionel Richie, Hello, that song? Yes. yes. I remember yes. calling a boy and playing it for him on the phone. That's so uh, terrible. I'm not going to say his name. I, yes, terrible. I hope he's I listening. It. If you are, will you please reach out to us? He's the next guest on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Terrible. Uh, okay, so just on the fun note, as we're talking about all this, what's something you loved back then? Like band, song, I mean show anything when you were a kid? Oh, everything. You know, we watched The Brady Bunch, which I know is not from the yes. 80s, but we watched every episode of that. The Sweet Valley High books, I read all of those. Ooh. Yes. What else? My brother is seven years older, and so my room was right next to his growing up. And so those are some of my best memories. I would wake up, and he's blaring his, remember his boombox? He had this huge yes. boombox. And he would be blaring Sticks or Duran Duran or Bon Jovi queen. So I felt like I was like always in the know on the music with the older crowd because having my brother next door, I love Michael Jackson. I can still remember mm -hmm. rolling up my mom's Oriental rug and trying to put on my white socks, trying to learn how to moonwalk, practice <laughs> <laughs> <Moonwalk. laughs> on the hardwoods. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, so I, loved, I loved everything about the 80s. It's still my favorite music. If I need to pick me up, sometimes that's, I'll just tell Alexa to play 80s and that'll do it. Yes. That's so fun. I went to see the Broadway show Summer last night. That's Donna Summer's Life, which was Ooh. fascinating. I would highly recommend it to anyone, but I feel like I'm living my childhood right now because I still have <laughs> dim all the lights, sweet honey, yes. or whatever it is in my head. Do we need to pause here so you could do a little music no. for us? No, 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 no definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, I love Donna Summer. I loved Whitney too. Houston too, and she and I shared oh. the same birthday. So I just I thought we were soulmates growing up. Uh, yes, I loved of Whitney Houston. She's my like mm -hmm. favorite concert I ever went to in my life. Oh, I never saw Whitney her in Houston. concert. Ooh, I mean, she was phenomenal. I can she only was. Imagine. Yeah, she was unbelievable. <sighs> we could just camp out right here in Talking the eighties <laughs> for the rest of the day. But if we jump into the current decade, Carrie, we are seeing parents as weary as we have ever seen in this season. What kind of hope would you want to offer parents today? Well, I feel it. And one thing I've really had to just do for myself is just, I think we can get so hyper-focused and micro-focused on what's happening today and our problems or the, the worries that we have today. And one thing I have to just remind myself of all the time is that it's all temporary 
and just to really pull back and look at that bigger picture and just the hope of Christ. And I feel like my faith has grown so much just in the past two years. It is in the trials and challenges of life. I'm like, I don't have security in anything, even what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. But Mm. just to have that promise of heaven and eternal life and to know that joy in a perfect world is coming, that we're not there now, and we're never going to find that perfect peace and happiness on this side of heaven. But just remember that we're meant to live with a spirit of strength and not defeat. And I think even myself, when I'm feeling defeated and knocked down, that I've got to remember that that's not from God and that there are resources. You know, He wants me to lean on Him and to pray for help from Jesus and to also just lean on my friends and find positive, uplifting people. Just sometimes one little nugget from somebody can change my perspective, totally just redo the way that I'm looking at a day. And so just to really, I guess, fight for your joy. I mean, feel your pain, you know, don't deny it, but fight for your joy and also to not struggle alone. And I think that's so hard for us to do as moms, but I'm trying to teach that to my daughters. And somebody told me that's one of the biggest skills that kids need when they go to college is to never be scared to ask for help. And so I'm at an age now, I'm like, my kids are noticing, they're going to remember what they witnessed in my life. And so if I need help, I can't be scared to ask for it and to just admit when I'm human and I'm having those bad days or those bad seasons. And most people are so willing to help and jump in. And I think it's good for our children to see that because they're feeling the same way. And if we want them to not struggle alone, if we want them to get help when they're going through a hard time or hard season, then it's good for us to model it in our life too. Yes. I would imagine so much of that is part of the truth that is in More Than a Mom, Yes, which I know we mentioned. I was going to say, I'd love for you to talk about a project you're working on right now, but that may be the project you're most passionate and excited about. We're sure excited about it with you. So would love to hear kind of what you're wanting moms to receive from that beyond what you've already said. If there's like a main message, we'd love for them to get to hear and we want them to buy the book. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. You know, the main message is I just want moms to know they are loved. Like I said, I think moms tend to think of themselves in terms of their relationships with other people and to really think of yourself in terms of your relationship with God and how much He loves you. And I even have to practice it myself. I had a daughter who was mad at me a week ago, and I knew that I was doing something right, but it's still so hard to have your child mad at you. And I just was feeling beaten down. And I just like laid on my bed and I'm like, okay, God, just let me feel your love for me. Like, let me Mm. remember how much you love me. And I think that's so important for us to do as moms because we can get so discouraged by things that may not be going the way that we want them to, especially in our relationships. But if we can just remember how loved we are by God and how He's going to get us through it, it's not only going to help our relationship with the Lord, it's also going to help us be more effective parents and stronger people. Mm. That's the main thing is I just want moms to see that they are special and that we're not superhuman, that we have legitimate needs as human beings. And I mentioned earlier to y'all that I had the stomach bug earlier this week. And I mean, I was down for 24 hours, but I felt so guilty. And and I was like, I feel so guilty being on my bed because I know— My family doesn't function as smoothly. The house doesn't function as smoothly when I'm down. My husband, they were also, the kids were so sweet, but I felt so guilty. And I'm like, why can I not feel like I can just rest for 24 hours, you know? (laughs) Throw up without feeling guilty. That shouldn't coexist. Exactly. I just like, I got to get better. I got to get better. Yes. But I was like, I can't do it. I am incapable physically. So I just had to give myself that grace and say, mm. y'all, I'm just going to stay in bed and just try to get better. And they were so understanding. But I think for moms, it's so hard for us to give ourselves that grace. Well, we definitely want folks to go buy really all of your books, not yes, just that do. one for moms and girls. And I also really love your Instagram page. I think you share such great things on Instagram. So will you tell folks where they can find you? 
Yes, thank you for that. I'm probably the most active on Instagram. I love Instagram. It's fun. And I feel like that's just an uplifting community there. So I'm active there. I'm also pretty active on my Facebook writer page. It's Carrie Kampakis Writer. And then I have a blog and a podcast where I, I try to post. I'm posting a little bit more frequently now because I have a book coming out, but it gets a little spotty sometimes. But you can also find me there. And then my books are everywhere books are found. And the new book comes out April 5th. And so after that, it can be found anyway. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're so excited about it. Thank you. And we told you a little earlier that we love coming your direction. And we're hoping we're going to be doing that in the near future. And if we had the great opportunity to share a meal with you, listen to me inviting ourselves to dinner at Carrie's it. house. I, yeah. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> yes. Come. Or we can go out. <laughs> I love it. What would be your favorite taco if we were to have that over a meal together? Oh, have you been to Taco Mama? No. Oh, no, it's and delicious. I hear it's amazing. It's delicious, <laughs> yes. So I would take you to Taco Mama. Do you have a favorite taco at Taco Mama? Yeah, what would you coach us to order? You know, I'm pretty traditional. I just like the traditional beef and cheese, but Ooh, everything okay. they have is good. They have Ugh. all kind of seafood tacos, too. Mm. That is making me hungry. You better tell me if you're coming to Birmingham, because I want to take you to dinner. We will. We need to look at our calendar and see if we've got a date coming up. We do. Carrie, thank you. As you were talking, I thought, I want dads to listen to this to understand moms and their girls better. I want moms to (laughs) listen to this for the encouragement that you've shared. And then moms, if you're listening, I want you to go back and play it with your daughters. Because I think for them to hear the truth that you've shared that's appropriate for them and to understand their mom's perspective. I just feel like from so many angles, this conversation has been so important and timely and rich as is your voice always. We're just so thankful for you and so honored to call you friend too. Oh, thank you. Well, I thank the world of both of you. So I'm so honored to be here. So thank you for having me on. And I just love the work that both of you are doing. And I recommend your resources all the time. I'm so proud of you and thankful to know you. Well, us too. And we can't wait for tacos with you. That's right. You named the date. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family with shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.